never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that hopes they announce a sequel to Groundhog Day, but just re-release the original film. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. How's it going, What's up, man? Uh, not too much. How about you? Um, well, I just got out of Ant-Man. And when yes, I say yes. I got... You said you were... <laughs> Keep going, but yeah. <laughs> when I say I just got out of Ant-Man, I literally finished work, dropped the kid off, because for some reason he had no interest in seeing Ant-Man, and I'm like, well, you're missing out. Drove to the theater, <laughs> watched the movie, came home, took a shower, shoved some pizza down my throat, and jumped on the mi- microphone. So nice. what I'll say is, <laughs> this is probably, my review tonight will be the most freshest review I think I've ever had for the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. Um, otherwise, that's how I am. It's been a busy week since we sat down and chatted last. So what do you got for me? What do you got? Like, how's your week been? Yeah, it's um, it's been good. It's been busy. Um, yeah, not <laughs> nothing too exciting. I uh, unfortunately have not seen Ant-Man yet, but um, uh, hopefully I'll have a review for that soon. But right. uh, wow. if there's anything you have to spoil, Drew, I'm not going to hold it against you. So. <laughs> Well, what I will, how about this? I will talk about stuff that's in the trailer only to not spoil things for you because I could expound on it for a little while um, because there's things that you know if you watch the trailer. So fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I know you watched the trailer because we talked about it. So <laughs> yeah. That said, um, um, yeah. So what are you watching this week? How about that? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I haven't watched a lot, um, but I have been binging through um, this new pod. Well, it's not new. It's new ish. But this podcast I just started listening to um, that I wanted to mention. And uh, the podcast is Stealing Superman. Are you familiar with this at, at all, Drew? I f- I feel like this is vaguely familiar. OK, interesting. So, uh, yeah, I, I seriously think this is vaguely familiar. <laughs> I want to say friend of the show, but at least a good, um, a good, I know he's somebody who's listened to our show a lot and a good friend of mine, uh, Matt, uh, not Matt Roth, who is on the show, but a different Matt, uh, actually texted me out of the blue a couple months ago about this podcast. Like, Hey, I'm listening to this podcast, stealing Superman. It's pretty good. You should check it out. And it was one of those like, Hey, this made me think of you. Check it out. And, uh, I'm here, you know, couple months Mm. later finally listening to it but essentially what this podcast is it's is it's like the true crime story of a comic book heist from Nicolas Cage's mansion in uh back you know in Hollywood in um 
I think it was the year 2000, like it was shortly after a Y2K New Year's party that he had. Somebody stole his Action Comics number one, stole his Detective Comics number 27, his, I think it was Batman comic, or Batman number one, and one other comic. Um, And yeah, it's just kind of the story of that heist and uh, kind of delving into the mystery of that. This podcast is really cool because it's one of those things where it's like subject matter. It's awesome. Like there's a lot of comic book tidbits in there. There's a lot of cool bits of like Hollywood history and stuff. They mention parts of Nicolas Cage's career, like the Superman lives movie that never was made. And uh, it's just really, really cool. The other thing is like the podcast is only it's only eight episodes long. I'm actually about halfway through the last episode right now, but every episode is between like 20 to 40 minutes. So it's one of those like really quick listens. Like it's one of those, you can listen to it on a lunch break from work and uh, be done with it by the end of the week sort of thing, which is more or less what I've been doing. So uh, yeah, really cool stuff. Uh, Drew, I definitely think you should check this out for not only the, comic book aspect but just because it is nick cage and there's a lot of like really cool like hollywood factoids and tidbits in there um the last thing i'll mention is what's there's this a, on did i miss you say that because i was kind of focused on what you're saying but i'm like this sounds really cool but what did you say what streaming yeah. services on or so i'm listening to it on apple podcasts oh, but right, I, right, I imagine right. it's on pretty much everything um iHeartRadio produced the show apparently so oh, okay. you can kind of listen to it wherever i'm pretty so sure it's on iHeartRadio. <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> But, um, oh, the last thing I was going to say is halfway through the series, there's you get to episode four and then there's like kind of a episode four and a half. It's a bonus episode halfway through. And it's kind of an episode that just delves into a completely different Superman related heist. It's the story of uh, this man who was dealing with a disability, but he was a massive Superman fan and his uh, collection was stolen. And it's a story that kind of I'm going to spoil it a little bit, but it kind of deals with the community rallying around this guy to like get his collection back and stuff. And this because it was a bonus episode, I almost skipped it, but I chose to listen to it. And I'm so glad I did because I don't want to say like I was fighting back tears, but I definitely was getting choked up. Like it's such a touching, like really <laughs> cool story in that one. But uh, yeah, stealing Superman. Drew, I don't know if you have any questions about this, but that's kind of my main watching and reading this week, to be honest. <laughs> um, based on what you covered, not really, because I'm just it just sounds like another podcast I have to add to my listening queue. Um, <laughs> it is but... short, though, so that's the cool thing, you know. Oh, all right. Um, and it it for me it fills that true crime niche without being like really gruesome like it's super lighthearted and fun but uh yeah what were you saying Well I was wondering if you watched Last of Us I did watch Last of Us Okay good um great <laughs> we can talk about that And that's that's about it for me so <laughs> All right well before we talk Last of Us real quick um I am trudging through I don't want to say trudging through because I'm really really enjoying the show but um I'm Burning through season two right now of, La- of White Lotus. Um, I really oh, nice. don't know. I really don't know which season I like better. I'm kind of in, I like when season two started. I'm like, nah, I like season one better. And now I'm like, I think I'm digging season two better. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many- I liked season. Oh, keep going. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I liked season two better because I felt like they 
they take things a lot further um, as opposed to um, like yeah, the first season. I felt better. like, yeah, there's certain things like I felt like uh, like in the first season you have like Sydney Sweeney's character and her friend who kind of get in a feud halfway through the season. And then that feud is like resolved actually pretty quickly. And I'm kind of like, you could have played that up so much, like so many more crazy things that could have happened. And that's what I like about season two is like, they take things really far. So, uh, but glad you're enjoying it, you know? Yeah. Um, the, I didn't look ahead, but do you know how many episodes season two is? Do you remember? I like, I, I just finished episode six thinking it was the same length as season one. And I'm like, there's no way this is the end of the season. And then it's like next episode beginning in 10 seconds. I'm like, okay, I, well, <laughs> I want to say eight or something eight? like okay. that. So I, I think got, it's like roughly comparable, but, some I don't quote me on that, but I think oh, it's fine. like close, but maybe a little bit longer. I could have looked, but when I got done watching it last night, I'm like, I'm not going to look now. I can look next time I turn it on. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I shouldn't have waited as long as I did, but I'm really enjoying it. And I was thinking, I, again, I don't know how you pitch this show. I really don't. Like, I don't know how you walk into a studio and say, we're going to do this, but it's going to be this crazy, like, anthology series. So each season will be about a white lotus somewhere else in the world because we're a chain company or a chain hotel and you know that kind of thing so uh, <laughs> yeah just, it's just kind of cool i don't know i'm really enjoying it nice um all right uh let's talk about last of us so the, the most recent episode was fantastic like it was just awesome like i loved it um the i i'm really enjoying not having infected like really <laughs> Like the infected is a lot of fun and it's intense moments, but I'm enjoying not having it and then talking about it because you're 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 dealing with a 20 year old epidemic, if you will. So like they've been living it for so long. So you get these nuggets of the past or you get uh, Bella, not Bella, Bella Ramsey's her real name. Ellie is asking a question about, you know, the past or she brings up something and you get these, you know, um, cool little nuggets like when she was asking him about what he did for a living and stuff um it just I, I i'm really enjoying that and i'm enjoying not worrying about the infected right now because it's just <clears throat> uh excuse me as i clear my throat it's <laughs> creating the idea that joel and ellie are the last of us which i'm loving and i say that because a lot of the people they come encounter encounter with don't live very long <laughs> <laughs> Aside from, true, aside, from true. That, aside from that town that they were just at, the Jackson town. Um, right. But no, I'm just really enjoying the show. Uh, what you're, I'll probably think of more. Oh, I got one more thing and then you can go. Do you remember a show back in the day called Northern Exposure? I don't know if I've ever seen a full episode. I know of the show, but. Okay. It yeah. was basically <laughs> like, I want to basically say it was a drama slash soap opera kind of a show that took place up in uh, Sicily, Alaska. And it was about a doctor from New York who who moved up there like he was requested to go to open a practice. And I don't remember if it was like he was requested or he was doing someone a favor or whatever. But it was like he was the plan was to go up to Alaska and be the doctor in the town for a little while. Um, played by Rob Morrow, really good actor. Um, I actually got a chance to meet him. So, Rob, if you're listening, uh, uh, great work. I love that show. <laughs> nice. Um no, I got to I got to meet Rob Morrow and hang out with him for like a weekend um, a long time ago. So it was kind of just, you know, 
it was kind of cool to hear some uh, stories from that. The um, but in the show there were two because it's Alaska, there were two Native American characters that are the two Native American characters you see at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> and I know that I know they weren't in Alaska, but because of the snow on the ground and the log cabin and stuff like that, I was literally like. Did they put these two in this show as the as a as like the weirdest Easter egg possible because someone Probably. on the show is a fan of Northern Exposure from back in the day? Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Was it so, yeah, so it was it was same actors or it was just you could tell it was the same character? Because no, it's the same actors. That's awesome. <laughs> That's why I was like, is there a chance that you know? That's so, great. I just, I just thought it was interesting, but anyway. Um, Outside of what you said, I don't know if I have a ton to um, add to this one. I do like that uh, Jackson town that they went to. I thought that was really cool. Um, I like the thing about like zombies and like post-apocalyptic like survival horror stuff is uh, there's always and I know I just use the word, but there's always that element of survival. And that's always like one of the most fun parts, like. Where would you set up camp? Where would you make your fortress? How would you solve these issues? And so seeing like how people in this uh, show come together and like build that like giant community and how they have like, you know, they cut down all the logs to create like this giant like fortress wall around themselves and stuff. I think that stuff's like really interesting. I remember watching the episode and while they're first walking through the town, you can see a Christmas tree lit up in the background and you're just like well how'd they get the electricity for that and then it was a minute or two later they explained that so that was uh that was pretty cool touch um i'm liking this show more and more as it goes i think um the characters are really starting to grow on me where like um i don't know if i was like i've been loving it and i've been relating to the characters and stuff but i feel like this was the episode where i felt like uh i was really kind of sold on uh joel and uh what's the younger girl's name is it ellie or ellie is the character name bella yeah. so ellie is her I was... name. <laughs> bella is her real life name i gotcha i was that's just gonna where go i stumbled i was name, like but... bella i'm like no 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 no, that's her real name <laughs> but yeah joel and ellie and uh their dynamic and relationship i think this was the episode that i watched that i really felt like truly sold on them um, where I feel like that probably happened earlier for everybody else. But I'm just saying the show's doing a good job of showcasing their endearing qualities and making you like these characters. Um, honestly, the only thing I would say is uh, kind of in contrast to what you said before, but I could use a lot more infected characters. Like I am loving the survival stuff. I love the long like road trip aspects, the adventure, the, we got to get from here to here and there's like the tons of walking and horse riding and stuff in between. I just feel like there could be a couple more infected characters thrown in. You know what I mean? And, oh, I uh, definitely want to see more infected infected for sure. And I, then it looks like we're going to get it next week. I just, I'm enjoying building characters right now. So fair enough. Fair that's enough. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all I got on the episode right now. I can't wait for next week, so it'll be good. Um, and I also don't remember how many episodes there are in the season, so um, yeah, I, no. <laughs> it's it's probably going to be 10. Like a, It's probably going to be like a Game of Thrones length, but that's at least what I'm thinking. Um, so yeah, we'll see. 
Uh, all right, let's talk about Ant-Man real quick, because I am very fresh for my review. Yes. Um, the critics don't like this movie. And I don't know if I've talked to anybody who likes this movie. And, <laughs> you can go on, but well, I have not heard good things the across the board. Like, the critics don't like this movie. And there's a bunch of people out there who don't like this movie. And I'm really not sure how to think about that. So I'm going to try and do my review through this kind of a, in this way. I can see that out of context, if you watch this movie, it's definitely, I don't, I would say in terms of Marvel movies, this is a middle ground Marvel movie. You know, when you think about the absolute best to the absolute worst, this one falls in like the middle. Okay. Right. This, when they said it was like civil war level important, Absolutely. Um, it There's so many important things that take place in this movie that you're going to go, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then you're going to get to the bonus scenes and you're going to go, holy crap, holy crap. Um, but they talk about some really interesting stuff that touches back. So this is the beginning of phase five. There's some stuff that comes up in dialogue that touches back to things that happened in phase four. They cover stuff that took place in phase three. And they push forward as we move on. And that's a lot of heavy lifting for one movie to do. There is a ton of CGI. And I uh, I ended up seeing the movie in 3D. And I think that kind of helped a little bit because of the amount of CGI. Because the quantum realm is like a CGI, just like mega nightmare, a dreamscape. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Um, the amount of stuff that they had to put on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the characters are CGI. There's not everyone's like a person in a costume or a practical effect. Like there's a lot of CGI stuff. Um, this, the movie itself is really fun. I'll give it that. The movie itself is, um, got a lot of really great action. The end battle sequence is fantastic. It's so much fun to watch. And it's just crazy. Um, Kang as a villain is incredible. Like, it's great. And I can't wait to see where this goes, because we know that Kang is supposed to be the next Thanos. Um, at the end of the credits, when you find when you see the final post credit scene, you know how in other Marvel movies it goes to black and it'll say, like, Thor will return or Captain America will return. Yeah. At the end of this one, it says Kang will return. And the guy <laughs> and the guy behind me goes, yeah, of course he will. <laughs> and got up and started walking out of the theater and i'm like i go and i thought to myself i'm like are you one of the, are you one of the average moviegoers that does not realize that the next avengers film is titled the kang dynasty <laughs> yeah maybe yeah, i don't know you know what i mean like is that like of course he's gonna return we have an avengers movie titled the kang dynasty <laughs> so um and i'm really glad that we have that movie because there were parts of this that i was like if we didn't know, see, one of my problems with Marvel movies is that they'll get a really, really cool villain and then we'll kill him. And I'm not saying Kang dies. I'm just saying we know that there's a movie titled The Kang Dynasty. So no matter what happens to Kang in this movie, Kang's going to return. So when you see how they deal with Kang in this movie, you know he's coming back, <laughs> you know. So um, that's why I just think it's interesting. Like, are you not are you not in the know? Um 
one of my absolute favorite things in the movie was Modoc. Um, I don't want to go too into Modoc because, like, look, you know he's in the movie, but if I said more too much about Modoc, it will ruin the Modoc <laughs> stuff. I think and, I've had some of it spoiled already, but uh, well, that's okay. I, I appreciate here's it. The, here's the thing. <laughs> And this is where Marvel, I think, is officially at the point where they're no longer adapting comic books and they're just and they're just straight making it up because they've created a cinematic universe, which seems to have its own canon because MODOK, because when they explain MODOK, it is very different. (laughs) Um, And that's okay. (laughs) It's and I think bits of that have been uh, spoiled for me, so. What did you say? I think bits of that have been spoiled it's, for me, so I know a little bit of what you're talking okay about. It's okay that Modoc is different, but Modoc, here's the thing. Modoc looks fantastic. On the, anytime Modoc is on the screen, it looks great. And um, I had a lot of fun, and I'm just like, and we, he wouldn't be on screen for a little while. I'm like, can we go back to Modoc and see what he's doing? Like, it's just, it's kind of <laughs> really? It's kind of cracking me up. Like, just put Modoc back on screen. Um, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, there were some really clever things. Um, this I'll spoil for you. There's a there's a uh, liquid in the in the quantum realm. Like when they get down there, they can't understand language. Like when they meet the individuals and stuff, they can't understand people talking. And there's this like liquid that they drink. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Janet Van Dyne, she knows about it because she spent 30 years in the quantum realm. So she's like gets it for them, and she's like drink that. And once okay. they drink it, they're suddenly able to understand la- all the languages are like translated to them in English. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, which it was kind of cool. It was kind of like the Babblefish from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But I was like, what a cool <laughs> I'm like, what a cool dynamic for the show. Like, just a cool like device. Like, I can't understand all these characters, whatnot. They're being hostile. We, we're trying to communicate, but they're not able to communicate, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, drink that. And then they drink it and like you like the sound, the way it like changed to like suddenly like human voices. You're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, it nice. was just it was just clever. <laughs> nice. um, but yeah, otherwise, like, look, overall, I enjoyed it. But you got to remember that when you go see a Marvel movie. Like I said, it's probably like that middle ground Marvel film. But when you go see a Marvel movie in all seriousness, you need to look at it at the big picture. You need to look at it through the prism of it's one giant story. It's not just ant-man and the wasp like there's more to it and i think that's helping me with some of the with some of the marvel movies that i haven't enjoyed as much as some of the others i think that's helped me in my mind with the bigger picture like well i have to see it because it's the bigger picture you know like i'm not a fan of thor love and thunder that's kind of bottom of the barrel for me but i went and saw it for bigger picture purposes so um and therefore there are parts of it i enjoyed so this one was definitely very, very important to the up ongoing story. It is a perfect start to phase five because we have a direction of where we're headed because Kang is going to be a big, big problem. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm going to leave it, if that's all right. <laughs> but Nice. That's uh, Well, your review is making me want to see it more. Uh, like I said, I haven't heard a lot of... Um, and this is not just online personalities, just a lot of people I've encountered in my daily life, like people I've talked to who are really into the majority of the Marvel movies have told me they didn't 
they weren't a big fan of this one. So I really wasn't sure uh, what to think at this point, but uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, well, and yeah, I hopefully think, I can see it soon. You know, I think people are feeling the Marvel fatigue right now for a couple reasons. One, because of Endgame, I think they're expecting all their Marvel movies to be as epic as Endgame. We haven't had a big crossover movie in quite some time. And it's been a lot of, like, introducing you to new characters and setting the stage for other things. And I think people aren't, they're not looking for the big picture, which I keep, I know I keep using that phrase, but it's the best way to describe it. You need to look at that bigger picture. And that's, and that's where I'm kind of hoping that everyone, you know, starts catching up, if you will, and understanding what is really going on here. So I I wonder a little bit if it's, um, oversaturation to like uh like we've been getting marvel movies coming out really consistently but then with all of the tv shows and stuff it has there's just like so much time you have to spend watching marvel stuff and uh not that that's bad because you know the mcu is awesome in its own rights but i think it goes to something we've talked about before drew where uh Star Wars versus Harry Potter, you bring it up all all the time, is after the original Star Wars trilogy, there was a dark period of no Star Wars movies coming out for like, (laughs) was 20, 30 years. And then so when the prequels, when the prequels come out, you're so excited. And I don't know if the MCU should have taken that long of a break, but I do find myself thinking like, man, what if after Endgame, the MCU took like, a two year break with just silence. And then could you imagine when you finally saw that trailer, whatever character it was going to be, maybe there was some some familiar faces, maybe in the trailer, when it finally comes back, you hear that Avengers theme. Like, I just feel like you could have like some really good, like goosebumps inducing moments. And uh, I feel like they maybe missed out on some of that potential hype because they kept they didn't just keep going consistently after Endgame. They kind of doubled down, and I feel like there's a bit of oversaturation going on. Not oh, to be yeah. too much of a Debbie Downer on the whole thing. I just kind of wonder if that factors in, you know, on people's complaints with this movie, you know? It's a, it's a great point. So I hear you. Anyway, yeah. I look forward to hearing your review, but I'm trying to – I think people are just being over harsh sometimes, and I just – and I'm not trying to find the silver lining. I'm not trying to praise the movie because, believe me, there's movies that I don't like, and a lot of times I don't talk about those movies on the show because we're going to yeah. talk about stuff we like, you know? And, and so, with, with everything that I said, there's also some merit to – when everybody is getting sick of like a certain franchise or universe, there's also some merit to being the loyal fan and being like, you know, I don't care that you don't watch, watch Walking Dead anymore. I still watch Walking Dead because it's awesome and it's zombies and stuff. And, you know, sometimes you don't have to be that bandwagon um, franchise hater, you know, be a loyal fan, you know, and you'll go through your highs and lows of your respective franchises. But in the end, it will be worth it, you know, because you've been able to spend so much time with all these characters and stories that you love. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. And ultimately, as long as you're happy and you're liking it and they're making it for you, enjoy it. And that's really all that we'll say about that. So, um, all right, man, you ready to talk about the news? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. It's really light today. Like really light. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like our watching went on long. So uh, that works. (laughs) And, And that was why, um, Zach Galifianakis is going to star in a live action Lilo and Stitch movie. 
Okay. Uh, I don't know which role, um, but yeah. <laughs> Is he going to play Stitch? Actually, I was wondering if he was going to play like the guy, the big guy that hunts Stitch. Right. That's, That's what where... I was when I saw that. <laughs> I was thinking that at first too, but something, I don't know. We've had like, we've had those voice actors that surprise you sometimes. Like yeah. Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. And not to use another Guardian example, but Vin Diesel as Groot. Like both of those actors, like who would have thought they would be making those voices, especially Bradley Cooper. And it makes me wonder, like, maybe Zach Galifianakis can do a really good Stitch voice. And I could kind of picture it, but I don't want to speak too soon, but that'd be kind of crazy, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, how well do you remember Hellboy comics? Did you read any of them or were you more just watch the movie kind of a guy? More of a movie fan. I've read a couple of them, but never was like a diehard fan of the comics. Um, but definitely like a big fan of the movies. Um, oh, right. Why? What's uh, what's the Hellboy news? <laughs> because we got a new Hellboy movie on its way out. Oh, cool. Uh, and it will be based off of the story arc Hellboy the Crooked Man. Um, I did not read. I read very, very little Hellboy. So I don't yeah. know this story arc. Um, I did not see the... Um, uh Jim Hopper movie. Um Jim Hopper, that's not his real name. David Habor. Um, the actor. <laughs> um Jim yeah. Hopper's the character he plays during the thing. <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm like, what's his name? Jim Hopper. Yeah, that's it. Um I didn't see that Hellboy movie. Um so I don't know how that was. Um I always I thought he looked good in the costume and the makeup and everything, but if you do the costume and the makeup, I think you can make anyone look like Hellboy if you think about it. <laughs> see so, I, I never uh, saw that one because it looked it looked cool. Like I thought the makeup looked cool and the trailer looked good. And then I just heard so much bad reviews of it. I just didn't end up seeing it. And I just was kind of one of those like, well, I'll just be loyal to the uh, Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies and skip this one. But I mean, I guess I need to sit down and watch that one at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Right. Well, anyway, we're getting a new Hellboy movie, so that's cool. Um, So we'll see. There's no, there's very, very little in, uh, information other than it's being focused on that specific story arc. So if you're a Hellboy fan, there you go. <laughs> Is this one going to be starring Zach Galifianakis too? <laughs> sure, why not? Um, okay. What's one that? piece of de- oh. I got no, just like next piece of news and one piece of news um, in the realm of Henry Cavill being out and Ben Affleck being done after the Flash and Aquaman and um, the breaking up of the Justice League as we know it from the Snyderverse. Um, James Gunn has been giving us a lot of nuggets on things. And with Patty Jenkins saying that she's not doing a Wonder Woman three. The big question is what's going on with Wonder Woman is Gal Gadot out and all that stuff. James Gunn confirmed on Twitter that Wonder Woman is part of his plans and she won't be on the sidelines for long. The door is open for Gal Gadot's return, but no confirmation of who will be Wonder Woman. So basically it sounds like we're definitely open to having her, but we haven't talked to her yet. You know, that's that's weird to me, but I guess it's weird to me because it's like. If you're going to have because um, I know we got I know we have uh, the Flash movie and that's going to reset a lot of things and we still have an Aquaman movie coming out. But I know that my impression was that James Gunn's DC universe was going to kind of be 
maybe a soft reboot of things and kind of a new cast of characters, especially since he's going with a new Superman actor. Mm -hmm. And I'm I know we've talked on the show and we're trying not to linger on them not using Henry Cavill. You know, we're trying to be positive. You know, it seems like there's some exciting new things going on. So um, I just think it's going to be it's going to kind of sting to the Henry Cavill fans when he can't be in James Gunn's DC universe, but Gal Gadot can. But then I also wonder, is he just saying this and he's saying like Gal Gadot can audition for Wonder Woman, but I'm not necessarily going to actually have her be our Wonder Woman. Like maybe he's just kind of playing the uh, trying to say what is going to be the right thing to say for the time for the fans, even though it's like 90% probably not going to be Gal Gadot. I don't know. I don't. What are you thinking with this? (laughs) Well, I'm thinking that I can't imagine anyone else in that role. And it's not even the sense of like, it's not even a sense of like, I can't imagine anyone else as Superman other than Henry Cavill, or I can't imagine anyone else as Batman than Ben Affleck. It's literally like, I can't imagine anyone else as Gal Gadot. So yes, I, I kind of, I kind of don't want to see her go. So we're going to have to see how this one plays out. And I'm just kind of like thinking through like, eh, we'll see how, you know, we'll see how it goes. You know what I mean? Like, I really don't know. I just don't see them doing Wonder Woman without her. But then again, if we're doing all new actors, do all new actors. Um, we don't know what uh, um, Jason Momoa's uh, situation is right now because he very clearly had like a, it was either Twitter or Instagram. He was like, I just got out of a meeting. I'm so excited. James Gunn's the best guy. Future DC is amazing. It was one of those videos. And that's when all the, that's when all the Jason Momoa Lobo new, yeah flying um (laughs) i think jason momoa is that kind of character in general just like the overly enthusiastic like yeah this is awesome this is gonna be great like i feel like that's his personality a lot of times and that's one of the things i love about him is he's just so gung-ho about um all these cool movies he gets to be in and stuff like that you know yeah so i'm not really 100 percent sure but I kind of look at it going, I'd love to see her again, but if we don't, that's okay. James Gunn's got a plan, and right now we have to trust, so let's just trust in James Gunn and do our thing, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's hard to know what to say, but um, I don't know. Gal Gadot, like, she, she's like this Wonder Woman actress that was plucked out of, like, nowhere. She was on nobody's short list, but... Once you saw her in the suit, you're actually like, well, she looks like she fits the role better than everybody else's shortlist. And she's really believable. Like I can take her seriously as an actor or an actress more than anybody else's shortlist. And she's kind of like, like what you said, like it's hard to imagine anybody else playing with playing Wonder Woman besides her. So it's really hard to know what to say. And I think this is one of those stories you just got to wait to find out more information about. Yeah. Agreed. I know. I'm just glad that he said we're open to talking, but it just sounds like they haven't talked yet. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that's it for the news. Oh, wow. Cool. (laughs) Like I said, like I said, really light. Um, And I kept checking. I'm like, there's gotta be more stuff to talk about. And like, it's like nothing happened. So. Um, (laughs) All right. You ready to talk about tonight's list? Totally. 
Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, it's list time, so we're going to roll the thing and be right back. Top five. Okay, Peter. Um, so. <laughs> this was my pick. Um, I hope I don't know. I hope this wasn't too difficult for you. But um, we have been doing this show for almost five years now, and it's time we ruin some movies. Um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk. Yeah, we're gonna talk about when I say ruin some movies, we're gonna spoil some stuff. We're gonna talk about our favorite twist endings. And uh, see where it goes. Um, yeah, and I I wonder if we're gonna match. I have I almost put something down and I was like, ooh, we'll probably match on that one. And then I took it off my list for different reasons. So, but yeah, um, <laughs> there's some really good movies that like we get. There's so many movies out there we could look at and discuss and dissect. Uh, but these are just some big ones that I thought would be fun to talk about, at least on my list. Um, I didn't find it too difficult. It was kind of like going through my own collection and then kind of looking up some, you know, like Googling movie twists and seeing what pops and stuff like that just to get ideas and things. So, yeah, I don't know how you took it, but. This list was surprisingly hard for me, and I don't know why, because I love twist endings. Um, I, I watch a lot of horror movies and thriller movies, and I always love movies with like twist endings like a lot but something about it is like a lot of times when I'm caught up in a movie and I'm watching through this story and the twist ending comes and I go oh that's crazy and then a lot of times I just move on and I don't like cling to that twist for the rest of my life you know I just move on and find the next movie to watch with a twist if that makes sense mm -hmm. so it was really like a, a finite few that actually had twists that I felt like really stuck with me. And it's kind of a weird thing because I actually did look at my own DVD collection and I actually don't own a lot of movies with twist endings too. I thought that was kind of weird, but um, looking at my list, I feel like a couple of mine are actually more so twist middles, but we can get into that conversation later, but uh, definitely a good, a good call. So definitely a fun list to talk about. So, yeah. So, um, how many honorable mentions do you have? I have two. All right, cool. Uh, wouldn't you give me your first one? Because I have two as well. <laughs> it would have been a twist to have none, wouldn't it? Wouldn't yeah, it would have been. been a twist to have none. <laughs> yeah, I just, this, I found this list interesting to, um, just to go through in general sense. So this could be kind of a fun conversation, but we haven't, in five years, we haven't done this. And every now and then we're like, um, I don't want to ruin the movie, but. A lot of these movies on my list are old enough that I can say it's on you for not seeing the movie. It's your fault. So if you want to skip this list, I totally understand. We'll see you next week. If not, <laughs> yeah, um, enjoy. And I hope you still see the movie. Uh, so, Peter, what's your first honorable mention? <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of it's your fault if you haven't watched it yet, let's talk about uh, some 70s sci-fi movies. So my first honorable mention, I actually went with the original Planet of planet of the apes um i don't know what it is but i love the ending of this movie you know you have uh charlton heston and the rest of his crew who crash land on this planet that's run by apes and uh, they're taken captive there's a bunch of crazy stuff that happens but at the very end you see charlton heston stumble upon a sort of like run down half underground statue of liberty 
and he realizes he was on Earth. Like basically, he's on Earth in a different time time period. Yeah, the whole they time. like traveled. They like kind of traveled through time, like they like way into the future. Yeah, and I, I just always loved that because all signs pointing to were pointing to like this is a alien planet but it's revealed that we were on earth the whole time and i always loved that it's such a famous scene um i think it's really funny because there's a parody of this scene at the at the end of uh space balls actually and i think i think yeah, that i might have seen balls. yeah i think i might have seen the space balls version before i actually saw the original version um but i just i just remember watching uh AMC used to have like uh, it was either AMC or TCM would a couple times a year would just have like marathons of the planet, planet of the apes movies. And I just loved watching those. And this this moment really always stuck with me. Um, last thing I'll say is there's also a great parody moment of this in um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So this yeah. is a this is a twist ending that's inspired multiple great parody moments. So. Right. Well, did you remember the twist ending to Planet of the Apes uh, when the Tim Burton film? Yes, but I thought that that one didn't make as much sense. Well, <laughs> this one did. It was weird. He went to, they go to the planet of the apes, which yes. in, your, in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, they're on Earth the whole time. And then he goes back in the spaceship and he takes off, leaving the planet, goes through some like weird wormhole vortex thing in space, lands back on Earth. And he like lands near the Lincoln Monument in Washington, yeah. D.C. So he walks up the steps and Lincoln's an ape and then all the police show up, but they're all cops and or like all the cops show up and they're all like apes. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was an interesting take on the ending, but it was weird because I'm like, but what planet is he actually on or what planet was he on or like what? <laughs> You know. <laughs> so I feel like there is that ending can make sense. I just don't know. There needs to be more explanation, but it's possible that he was he traveled through time. And when he came back, the apes of Earth had evolved enough that they were like civilized. And basically the versions of apes that he saw when he came back to Earth. But then, it, you know, there's other questions like where are all the people and what's going on here and why do all these apes not know what a human is? Like, I feel like there's a reporter or a photographer ape taking a picture of him at the end. So it's an interesting uh, ending, but definitely very elusive. Um, so, yeah, I'd really love to hear Tim Burton's commentary well, on that ending. If you're going to tackle that movie and try and do a new version of it. The big question is, what's he going to do at the end? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so no, that's that's a good point. Oh, last thing on Planet of the Apes, because I feel like we've been going on and on about it. But I actually just looked me, it the up. The news and... was so light. We have the time. <laughs> I just looked it up and this movie actually came out in 1968. I thought it was during right. the 70s. But yeah, it's totally your fault if you don't know the end of this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. My first honorable mention is the movie Gone Girl. Um, nice. Have you seen Gone Girl? Yes. Okay. The reason this makes an honorable mention is I don't necessarily think the twist. The twist is not at the end. It's like right in the middle. And your brain goes, oh, I was watching this movie totally wrong. 
and then you're on a it's like what you're it's like you watched a movie and now you're watching a whole nother movie like right in the middle um because she finds out that he's having an affair and decides i'm gonna like really screw this guy's life up and get away from him because he's you know he's abusive and i don't like him anymore and i gotta get out of this marriage and oh he's having an affair so i'll get him now and uh so what does she do she creates fabricates she fakes her death slash kidnapping and becomes a missing person but she's basically hiding out and she's plotted the whole thing out and escapes and for the longest time it's like a missing person story and then you find out that she's still alive and on the run and she's like watching real carefully so she can do certain things so he eventually goes to jail for the rest of his life um Mm -hmm. i think in the end and the twist is finding out she when she returns home and you find out that they're still together and he like there's because she basically like blackmails him into the you can never leave me you know situation um but i always i loved the twist in it it's just not really an ending twist. So I but feel I, like you're you're right. There are a couple twists. I feel like there is that big twist halfway through. But the ending, that is a bit of a twist at the end, how they stay together and she is definitely still in control of him. And there's a weird ambiguity to is this a good ending for these characters or is this? You know, should you feel sorry for Ben Affleck? Should you not? Should you be mad at this wife character? Should you accept this and think that in a weird way they kind of (laughs) saved their marriage? Like, it's a very weird, ambiguous ending that's really fun to talk about from a sort of ethical perspective. And so that's what's really fun about uh, this one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But yeah, like I just yeah, I just like the movie. So nice. Um, all right, dude, what is uh, what's your next honorable mention? <laughs> yeah. So my next honorable mention is a uh, it's a little movie. You might have uh, you might have heard of it before. It's uh, the movie Star Wars Episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and uh, the reason I went with this for an honorable mention, this movie should have topped my list. Like there's no reason it shouldn't have. But This is a movie that I saw at an age I can't even remember. I have known the events of this movie my entire life, and I've known that, spoiler alert, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. I've known known that for so long, and I don't think I ever experienced it as like a twist in like a twist ending sort of sense. You know, I just... I have no memory memory of experiencing that twist because it's just something I've always known. And that's the only reason it's a honorable mention, even though this is one of the greatest, like there's one of the absolute greatest twist endings of all time um, in all of cinema. So yeah, that's why it's an honorable mention, but this could top your list and, you know, totally, totally would make sense to do so. So this movie, like you said, is probably the greatest film twist of all time. Um, However, I'm with you in the sense that I watched this movie at an age that I can't even remember. And I've known Darth Vader's (laughs) father for so long that it never shocked me. I was never in the audience where it shocked me at all. I was never 
are like, oh, my God, he's lying. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. Is that true? Oh, my goodness. And, you know, there are people who lived at that time. Like, I was just too young when I saw Empire to know. But I've known that piece of information. And I know most people, if you're watching Star Wars now, if you're watching Star Wars for the very first time, you probably already know that Darth Vader is Luke's father without even getting to that scene. Um, So... It's just it's an interesting way of going about it. But when that movie came out, that shocked the world. And there were people that thought Vader was lying. There were people that thought Darth Vader uh, was saying it to manipulate Luke. There were people who were like, no, 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 no. He's it's the truth. You know, he's got to be telling the truth. And then they had the Simpsons jokes where uh, Homer's walking out of the theater going, I can't believe Darth Vader's Luke's father. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it's. They've they've played jokes on this for so long. It's but because of the the iconography of this movie, um, it's it's got to be recognized. So I'm glad you put it on your list as an honorable mention at the very least. But I understand yeah. why you're putting it an honorable mention. So <laughs> absolutely, it's more of a personal reason, but it's definitely up there. So, um, I don't know if I spelled that right. I was just typing in my next movie. So my next honorable mention is the movie Inception. Okay, Um, nice. The movie's amazing. I love it. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio is able to, like, go into other people's dreams, go into his dreams, you know, that kind of thing. Like the dream sharing technology, which never really gets fully explained, but you just kind of let it go because it's not important. Um, (laughs) You, I could have used a little bit of an explanation, but I still agree a little bit more. But for the sake of like the way the exposition was, it's kind of nice. Um, in the movie Looper, there's that great scene where they're trying, he's trying to understand the time travel thing. And Bruce Willis is like, look, if we keep talking about this, we're going to start making diagrams of straws and we'll be here all day. Just know that I came back in time. <laughs> well, it's actually a lot like uh, the newest episode of Last of Us 2 when they're walking past the dam and LES Joel. Those That thing used to make electricity. And he goes, yeah. And then he goes, I don't know why, so don't ask. I don't know how, so don't so don't ask. And it's like it's true because I watch Inception, and I'm sitting there being nitpicky. Like, I just wish they had an explanation of how this dream technology works. I don't get it. Why are they using IVs? Like, I want to know more. But at the same time, I've got this, you know, tiny rectangular computer that I carry around in my pocket everywhere I go and I have no idea how that works but I'm addicted to it and I use it every day and it's just it's just funny how harshly we dissect science fiction sometimes when you know most of the people in that world would not understand how their technology works so uh yeah. side tangent but a really funny thing to think about <laughs> well and what's funny about it is that you know um they they have just enough in the exposition where like you just roll with it and the whole movie makes sense and it doesn't it doesn't matter the whole thing makes sense as long as yeah. you're paying attention and um so they're going into dreams and they're like doing their thing it's like a it's like a heist of someone's mind which is just mind blowing to like put that on a paper and explain but um really cool special effects and stuff the twist however I think is the final shot of the movie. I really do. There's a lot of twists um, in there and you're learning and you're learning about stuff and you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. And that's really cool. And it's such a perfect film. But the final shot of the movie, because he's 
these guys are going in and out of dreams so often that their world is starting to blend together. Like who's, am I awake or am I asleep? Mm-hmm. And the final shot of the, and they, they have this thing like the totem and he's like, everyone needs to have a totem. And it's, it's gotta be something for you personally. So he's got a top and he spins the top because he knows if the top falls, um, he's awake. And if the top doesn't stop spinning, he's in a dream. So he spins the top and it wobbles and they roll the credits. Yeah. So what I love about this twist ending is that it becomes the, the eternal conversation. Did he wake up or not? You know, yeah. and I, I, I really enjoy that. And that's why it's just, it's an honorable mention because it's this tiny little moment in the movie, but ultimately it's, yeah. <laughs> it's also even better um, when this movie came out in theaters because there was that discussion about like, I swore I saw the top wobble. No way, the top didn't wobble. And you have that debate going on. And uh, yeah, it is an inter- eternal conversation and it's pretty great. Um, obviously, it's not the same because uh, the question was answered, but it does remind me a little bit of the final shot of uh, Batman v Superman when you're looking at Superman's coffin and then you mm-hmm. just see the yep. one uh, the one grain of it's dirt like, like right actually right like before. It's actually like three grains of dirt. By the yeah, way. but it's it's subtle enough that it's yeah, you just see a couple of them rise and then it cuts to credits and people I saw that movie with didn't notice that and i just thought it was such a cool like oh my god the dirt moves like what are you talking about you're like you're gonna have to wait for the (laughs) blu-ray right on you didn't see the dirt move (laughs) yeah um but yeah no yeah all right so yeah inception what's your first actual pick of the night yeah, so my first actual one um i do think is a bit of a cheat because i do kind of consider it a bit of a twist middle although thinking about this movie and i I didn't think of this till now this movie does have a twist ending to it but it's really the middle twist that i'm thinking of and that is the movie i've talked about it so many times on this podcast before but the movie from dusk till dawn directed by robert rodriguez uh this movie is a blast it's one of those movies that starts out as a like serious crime thriller where it's like this family is on vacation and they end up getting taken hostage by uh, two criminals who are played by Quentin Tarantino and um, uh, why am I blanking right now? Oh, George George Clooney. And they basically take this family hostage because they have a motor home. And it's one of those things like you guys are going to take us in your motor home and smuggle us across the Mexican border. Like, that's basically the plot you're going with. And it's really intense. It's really subtle. It's very serious. It's intense enough in the sense that it's like you, I mean, you, like, it's like Tarantino film style. Like, it is a, it's an intense, scary kidnapping, like, home invasion kind of a story. Yes. Up to this point, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> once they get into Mexico, they the criminals request that the family takes them to the um the bar from dusk till dawn i believe it was called and uh they go there the bar is just dusk till dawn but okay yeah um but yeah it's everything turns bonkers from there where 
the characters in the bar are very, very uh, bombastic, very cartoony. You have uh, Cheech Marin, who's like outside of the bar with a megaphone, kind of doing like this crazy, almost like circus ringleader act about like, everybody come in, come in now, drinks, blah, blah, blah. Like getting all these people to come in. It's this and a lot total, of like stuff that you don't want to say right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like this total like gritty biker bar that they go to and everything is super cartoony like you have the uh character played by uh the awesome makeup effects designer tom savini who's like this weird biker guy but he has all these like batman gadgets like he's got like a weird like grappling hook belt and like there's a lot of weird gags yeah but the main twist is when you find out that all the people in this bar are actually vampires (laughs) and the movie turns from a serious crime thriller movie to this crazy gory B horror movie about this family and these two criminals having to fight off vampires in this crazy bar. And uh, I totally forgot about it, but I remembered at the very end of the movie, like right, it's like the last shot right before they cut to credits, they show that the bar dusk till dawn overlooks a cliff. And as the, the camera backs backs away, you see that that bar is actually sitting on a ziggurat, like a ancient um, pyramid. And so that's like the magic or whatever involved in like that pyramid and maybe the rituals they were doing is what probably led to the vampire outbreak that was taking place inside of it. And it's like a really, uh, I totally forgot about that twist till I started talking about this. So this movie does count, even though I said it was a twist at first or a, a cheat at first. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love this movie, and I really don't know what to add to it because you basically just painted the picture so well. <laughs> it's one of those things. If we haven't, if you haven't seen it, we totally spoiled one of the most fun parts of it. But if you're into comedy or just like really cool special effects and creature design still check it out because it's really awesome from those aspects, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Like I said, we're going to be ruining some movies. And I just realized we could be ruining movies for each other. So uh, <laughs> let's, let's see what happens. So the next pick on my first pick of the night is a movie called Primal Fear. I know I've talked about it before, um, but before I go any further, Peter, have you seen this movie? I have not watched it yet. I've actually been borrowing it from Scott for like a couple of years and I still haven't watched it. All right. Well, I'm about to ruin the movie. So Great. Go. Okay. <laughs> so basically this kid um, played by Edward Norton, he's like uh, an altar server at uh, a Catholic church. Right. And there is a sex scandal. And in, in the midst of the sex scandal, one of the bishops is murdered. And, the question is, was the bishop involved in the sex scandal? Was, did he actually kill the bishop? Did someone else kill the bishop? Um, what happened that night? How'd the murder take place? All that stuff. Alibis the whole night. Richard Gere plays the defense attorney. Laura Linney, um, fantastic actress. This is my first, uh, this is the first time I ever saw Laura Linney. Like, this is my first, um... The time I the first my first introduction to Laura Linney as an actress. She's phenomenal. I think she's great. Anyway, she plays the prosecutor and she's like, no, 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 no. He killed it. We have all this evidence, blah, blah, blah. Well, Richard Gere, in the midst of his like questioning his client, 
finds out that Edward Norton is like not all there. Like he's got a learning disability. He's not mentally stable. Like, so Richard Gere is doing this whole, like playing for the insanity plea. And it really wasn't his fault that like this happened. So even if they can, even if they can prove that he killed the guy, Richard Gere is basically going for the insanity plea. Right. And it's, and you're, it's just riveting as the mystery unfolds. So the mystery itself is just crazy to watch. how it all unfolds. Here's the twist. At the end of the movie, Peter, you sure you want me to ruin this for you? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, go for All it. <laughs> right. At the end of the movie, Edward Norton reveals that he's a normal dude and he was playing them the whole time. Oh, cool. He has no mental instability. <laughs> the whole thing was plotted out. He literally outs himself. Like, literally after he gets off, he reveals himself to... Uh, um. What's his uh, 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 Richard Gere's character, and you're and it's just the, his reaction. He's like he doesn't know how to like he doesn't know how to take it. It's so cool. Um, but seriously, I know I just ruined it for you, but please watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> nice. So yeah, um, yeah. There you go. Right on. Um, so I, I, hope you, I hope one? you still watch the movie, but it's amazing. <laughs> but I will say Edward Norton learning. So you have the scene, you have Edward Norton acting the way he is. When you get to the twist and you see the change. Seeing, um, seeing it, this is the moment where you realize how amazing of an actor Edward Norton is. And that's one of the reasons I, I really think this movie put him on the map because of like this movie. So, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. All right. Um, should I move into my next one? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the next one I went with, which Drew, I actually don't know. I don't know if we've talked about this one, so I don't know if you've seen it yet or not, but uh, I actually went with the movie Get Out. Oh, okay. The uh, Jordan Peele movie. Have you seen this one or no? I have, yes. Okay, cool. I just, <laughs> again, checking because I didn't know if I wanted to spoil it for you, but this is another one where I don't know if the twist really comes at the end. I feel like it comes like two thirds of the way through the movie, but you know, it's about the, uh, the movie's about a guy who, uh, stays with his girlfriend's family and, uh, he's black and his girlfriend's family is white. And, uh, he shows up and he perceives that they're like kind of subtly racist. And there's like a lot of weird tension that's going on in that regard and it's played up through the movie and the girl's family is uh very rich and uh the people they hire as like to help with like on their property and stuff are black and there's kind of these weird like subtle um like slavery parallels and stuff and it's really you you're just watching this movie and you're getting these like really icky feelings from the whole situation and you want to know what's going on and somewhere the movie takes a very science fiction turn where you find out that yes this <laughs> this family and all the rich people and stuff that they uh associate with are racist but it's not for the reasons you assume and it's actually because they're abducting black people and basically doing brain transplants in this really um, science fiction sort of way where they're taking these rich elite 
people's brains and transferring them into these younger people's bodies that they're abducting. And it's a very bizarre movie. And like, I think Jordan Peele really pulled off like a really interesting, crazy thriller, but it's one of those things that you, you see the trailer and you think, you know, exactly what you're getting into with the film. And then you watch it and it's just takes this, this crazy turn that you weren't expecting. And, uh, this is a movie that I really loved. I thought this movie was awesome. And uh, I haven't seen, is, is it Nope? Is that his most recent movie that came out? Yeah, Nope is his most recent one. I haven't seen Nope yet. I saw Us and I was so excited about Us because of how much I loved Get Out. And I felt a little bit disappointed. Like Us wasn't quite as good as what I was hoping. But Get Out, I just thought was like so great. <laughs> so, uh, Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one. Um yeah. Well, you you laid it out. It's a really great movie. What blew my mind was when you watched the trailer is how well that trailer was put together. And you really do think you're getting into a completely different type of movie. Absolutely. You really do. It was a, that's a master class in how you shoot a trailer because the people who went and saw that movie going, oh, that looks good. I have an idea what I'm getting into. And then they go watch it. And it's like, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and I love that it has like what the what the twist is seems so far-fetched in this weird like almost 80s sci-fi sort of way but it's also believable enough that you just go with it so you can keep going i just wanted to throw that yeah no that's out. really all i had to say about it because you covered it so well so <laughs> the um, other aspect i love about this movie too is um when the main when the main character um encounters the sort of like mother of the family a few times um, at night and she's kind of sitting there and talking to him and she's drinking uh, tea and uh, the way she's like stirring her tea, it's revealed later that she was hypnotizing him, but you don't realize that her talking to him and the way she's stirring her tea with the spoon and her mug, you don't realize that she's doing that. And I thought that was a really interesting twist. That's kind of a mini twist, but just like, Oh, she was trying to hypnotize him there. That's so crazy. But um, yeah, this is a great movie. Even if I spoiled it for any of the audience members, it's got some really cool concepts. Uh, it's like kind of became an instant classic and everybody needs to watch it at some point. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, my next one is The Prestige. Nice. Um, <laughs> we matched on this one. By oh, the way. nice. OK. Hold on a second. Let me. Uh type it into the great spreadsheet for our lists. Um, so the prestige, um, I, this movie is about two magicians fighting over who's the better magician. Basically it's Christian Bale as a musician, mu magician. And when I'm not, not musician, like they play music, <laughs> magician, like they do magic, um, versus, uh, Hugh Jackman. And they do, they do some cool magic tricks and you get to see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff because, you know, Hugh Jackman's the magic, you know, the magician who's like, you learn how to, they do things. But then there's the battle of, I don't know, who's got the better trick, who's drawn in the bigger crowd, all that stuff. What I love about this movie is how Christian Bale says very, very early on that the best magic trick is the one that you live. That's the mm. real trick. Not the one you perform on stage, but the one you live in real life. That's the real magic trick. And what's cool about that is the idea of it being a metaphor. And, you know, 
in the sense we all play the magic tricks throughout. We're all doing the magic that we don't realize we're doing, but it's we're living. It's it's how we're living our lives. And his whole goal was to do the trick that he would live and no one would see coming because the trick really is the case. And he has an assistant who helps him out. Um, and then like he has an assistant on stage, uh, which eventually is Scarlett Johansson, who he marries. But he has an assistant that helps him out, like around the house kind of things. And it's really interesting when he plays this trick about walking through a door, like he's got two doors on stage. He bounces the ball, walks in one door, he walks out the other door and catches the ball. And everyone goes, how in the world did he do it? Well, Hugh Jackman goes through this whole big thing of trying to figure out the trick. Yeah. Um, which takes on this whole like Nikola Tesla, Benjamin Franklin, like weird electronic, like electricity device where he's like cloning himself. And now he's got to kill all these clone bodies because he keeps cloning himself, <laughs> yeah. um, which is kind of a really cool sci-fi twist. But when you get to the end of the movie, you find out that Christian Bale had a twin brother the whole time. And the two of them together were the stage show living the magic trick. And it was a trick that no one else could pull off because Hugh Jackman doesn't have a twin brother. So he never would have gotten the trick right. That's it. it that was the coolest thing. And you're just and not just finding out that he has the twin, but going he was living the magic trick like he said at the beginning of the movie. So, yeah. Um, feel free to jump in, add to what I just said, but. Yes, so, it's hard so to. Oh, good. It's hard to add, but I do love how you have, um, you have Hugh Jackman's character. And, um, I know there was Michael Caine was in the movie and I can't remember if he was a friend or a mentor. I feel like he was kind of like a mentor of Hugh Jackman's, but I remember Michael Caine's character saying like, the only way to do this trick is to have a double. Like he was watching the trick that Christian Bale was doing. And he's, he's mm -hmm. like, if you have a really good double, you can pull this off. But then they, then uh, Hugh Jackman realized like, no, he can't be, be a double because when you watch the trick, like Christian Bale's wearing gloves, but you can see that um, his, like he had like, he had like a missing finger and, uh, you can tell that his finger's missing when he comes out of the other side. And like, it's this really elaborate, like Christian Bale, um, his characters as twins went to the umph degree to make sure that this trick was seamless. Like they were wearing gloves, but one of them lost a finger. And so the other one had to cut their finger off <laughs> to make sure yep. that they looked that consistent on stage. And yep. it's kind of crazy that, Christian Bale's characters had a, this really simple real world solution for how to do this trick, but Hugh Jackman couldn't figure it out. And he went on that crazy science fiction route and he went to talk to Nikola Tesla and created this crazy science experiment, like electric cloning technique that allowed him to do this, um, to do this trick. And uh, it's, there's so many cool concepts in there and uh some of it gets pretty morbid when Hugh Jackman talks about like every night I didn't know if I would be the one coming out on stage to be the one who like was the reveal like the one who would get the applause or if I was gonna gonna be the one who was gonna be killed because I landed on the other side of the experiment and there's some really cool just dark but really cool concepts in there um 
what I was going to say about this film, because I want <laughs> a huge tangent there, but one oh, thing I was going to say about the prestige, which I love, and it definitely, the, the twist at the end definitely factors into it, but this movie has changed the way that I've viewed any performer. Like there is a moment in my life where it was like before seeing the prestige and then afterwards. And it's one of those things where now when I know like a famous magician or a rock star or an actor, I really question like, are the things they doing really an act? Like let's take like Chris Angel, for example, like one of the most famous magicians in real life. I think like, is he really what? Right now, one of the more famous ones. Yeah, for like, for the past <laughs> for the past ten twenty years. Yeah, I mean, not not of all time, but definitely one of the more famous ones of the twenty first yeah. century or whatever. <laughs> so, anyways, Chris Angel. I always after I saw that movie, I was like, you know, I wonder if Chris Angel is really as like dark and gothic and stuff as he portrays himself as, or is that all part of his act? And you know, I think the same thing with certain like you know, famous musicians and different people. I'm like, maybe things are more of an act when you see people candidly than you know about. And it's really interesting. And I love the twist of this movie because it really shows the craft that people can put into, or I guess people's dedicate, the dedication to, to one's craft that somebody can have. And I think that's a really cool concept to think about. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, any other nuggets on the prestige before I move on? <laughs> I probably, probably not, but <laughs> I feel like I said a lot right there, but yeah, definitely okay. a great pick. So, all right. So the next one on my list is a movie called from 1995. Hang on. Let me, let me double check that one. Yeah. 95. <laughs> um, it's a movie called usual suspects. Have you ever seen this? No, this is another one, and I thought this might come up, and I know that this movie has a crazy twist ending. I've never seen it, though. <laughs> so, yeah, spoil so away, I, I guess. I haven't seen this in a while. This was directed by Brian Singer. It was written by Christopher McQuarrie. Um, really, really good movie about, it's like a con man heist kind of a movie. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, it's, there's, um... You have a criminal that's like badly wounded on the dot on the sh- on the deck of a ship, um, and he's confronted by this figure who calls himself Kaiser and shoots him, and then Kaiser sets the ship on fire, okay, and leaves. The next day, the police recover like 27 bodies, so there's like a whole bunch of like dead people on the boats, and the mystery begins. And you turns out it's related to um. It's all linked to these con men and mobsters and U.S. customs and like all the stuff that goes on. And there's a group of guys that are like kind of like on the run and they're with the mob and they're trying to like, you know, cover things up and everything. Um, You have Kevin Spacey's character named Roger and he has problems. He doesn't talk well. He doesn't he mumbles a little bit. He walks with a limp. Um. And throughout the movie, he's just kind of like this background guy. The big twist at the end is when he like he's alone, like everything like they basically got away with it, if you will. And um, he's alone 
and he straightens his foot, stands up a little straighter, and starts walking normally. And that's when you find out that he is Kaiser Sose the whole time. Um, and it's one of those things, kind of like the Edward Norton one, where he faked it the whole movie. <laughs> nice. um, and it's it's an incredible it's an incredible acting thing and it's an incredible moment in the movie that you're just like no way like <laughs> um this is this is one of those iconic um movies that got a lot of attention in 95 when it got nominated for Oscars and stuff like that i have not watched this in a while i kind of feel a little guilty that i haven't watched it in a while but hey that's all right um nice but no i really do think you still need to watch it so so I will say something um, right here because I haven't seen this movie, so I don't have a lot to comment on it. But okay. um, there's this uh, YouTuber uh, called uh, Super Eye Patch Wolf who uh, he does a lot of really cool videos. Super he kind of Eye Patch Wolf. Yes, <laughs> he does. He, most of his videos are like video essays about like mm-hmm. video games and anime and stuff. But he did do a video about. Uh, spoilers and whether spoil like if something spoiled for you does it actually ruin the movie or not and uh, he did an experiment where he looked up a spoiler for a movie he hadn't seen and then watched the movie to see if he still enjoyed the movie when he knew what the twist ending was and the movie he used for his experiment was actually the usual the usual suspects and so it was like kind of this funny like um, I'm going to use this movie and see if I look up the twist and watch it, whether I like it. And he said he actually still really did enjoy the movie, even though he knew how it ended. And uh, so I knew this was going to come up, but I think it's really funny that it did. Um, and definitely because of our episode, like definitely check out that super eye patch wolf video. Um, it totally changed my thoughts about things being spoiled for me when All it right. comes to uh, movies and books and stuff like that. So. Yeah. All right. Um, All right, man. What's your next one for the night? Right. So uh, the next one I was going to go with, um, I actually went with the movie Saw. So this is uh, everybody knows. I feel like everybody knows the movie Saw, but this is a movie that um, I'm not a fan of this movie series as a whole because I kind of felt like some of the sequels I was a little disappointed with. But the first movie, I do think there is a fun mystery to it it has that sort of like seven-esque sort of cat and mouse game between the killer and uh, the detectives trying to get the killer and uh, I think it's really intense Um, this movie's definitely more on the torture porn side of horror movies which Mm -hmm. I usually don't gravitate towards but uh, I just love the twist in this movie how you have Carrie Elwes character and uh, I don't know the other actor but they're both trapped in this like disgusting like i guess it was like a bathroom or something and they're chained to the wall and they're stuck in there and they have to figure out the puzzle how to get out and they have to figure out who each other are and why the jigsaw killer locked them in and uh spoiler alert there's a dead body in the middle of this room they're trapped in this dingy, dirty, tiled room. There's this dead body in the middle. And at the end of the movie, the dead body stands up because he was the killer all along. And he stands up and walks out of the room. And it was just such a cool twist. And uh, I don't know if I have too much more to say than that. Like, it was just a really fun thing. And it was kind of like he got up and walked out. And it's almost like he showed 
the other two people in the room what they had to do. And essentially what they had to do is saw their limbs off, their limbs that were handcuffed into this room. They had to saw them off to get out and uh, really gruesome, really brutal, but such a cool ending. And again, like this is a movie that I really liked and then the sequels I really didn't. So I kind of left it at that, but uh, I do like the original saw quite a bit. Yeah. So. That original ending, like as soon as you said saw, I'm like, Oh yeah, the dead body's the guy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like what was the twist? <laughs> oh yeah. The body, he was in the room the whole time. Well, yeah. they left a couple of hints like he likes to watch, but they also had like cameras and mirrors and stuff. So you're just like, oh, it's a two sided mirror or it's a camera or whatever. Like he's watching. Absolutely. Yeah, of course he's watching. You don't think that he's actually in the room with them. So it's such a cool twist. Um, I almost I think I enjoyed because, you know, they also was that the one with the safe? Or was that I the don't first think or was so. that the second one? The first and second one, for some reason, in my mind right now, are blending together a little bit because I thought there was one where they were the kid was trapped in the safe or something like that. And I don't remember if it was. I yeah, think. I can't I can't I can't remember that part. There's so many different um, weird contraptions that they set up, <laughs> like all the torture devices are really messed no. up. I don't remember the safe one, but I might have seen it and just can't remember that part, you know? Yeah, that's all good. All right, so my next one for the night is the movie Seven. Um, nice. Seven has and the twist ending to me, like this is a serial killer. All the um, all the murders are based off the seven deadly sins. So gluttony, sloth, um, envy, um, wrath. I'm drawing a blank on the last two, but. Um, like uh, lust and um greed greed thank you yeah um it's all based on that and it's really it's the mystery behind it's really cool but the killer reveals himself early earlier than you'd expect probably and they're questioning <laughs> him they're interrogating him, they're but he's like the final he's like i'll take you to the last body i'll take you to the final like to the you know where the last body is and they're just like all right well we'll go and they set this whole thing up so they're going to go. So it's the two detectives. They're heading out there. And then it's not the what's in the box twist. Um, that Because, you know, the bot, the delivery guy shows up while they're out there and he's got a box. And it's clearly like his the one detective's Brad Pitt's wife's head in the box. Yeah. Um, but it's like what's in the box, what's in the box. That wasn't the twist because the last two um, – the last two sins that hadn't been revealed at that point is envy and wrath. And the killer tells him that he was envious of his marriage. And so that's why he killed his wife. Cause he's like, my sin is envy. And then Brad Pitt, the detective kills the killer and his sin is wrath. And yeah. that's the twist is that the, he was the fine. He was actually the killer in the end because his final sin was wrath. So good. So powerful. One of the most gripping scenes and watching like not just Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey have their thing, but then watching Morgan Freeman have to deal with it. That was probably one of the coolest sequences and how that was shot and played out and everything. But um, that movie is just incredible in general. Um, and I know we've talked about it before, but we never really talked about the ending. So, um, yeah, awesome. So, yeah, that's all yeah. I got. I don't know if you want to add to it, but that's all I got. 
So no, this is this is a great call. Uh, Seven is a really kind of beautiful film in the way that it's so detailed, but it's so gritty and dark. Like beautiful is not <laughs> the right word to use, but it's such a good sort of like crime drama story. Like it's so it's so good and so intense. And uh, you did like you did properly spoil it where you showed out the uh, twist at the ending and how it all plays out, which is really pretty fascinating, especially when you're watching the movie and you're caught up in the whole like, who's the killer? Okay, what sin's going to be next? How are these? You know, we've seen five of them. How are these last two going to play out? Like that's all going through your head and you're caught up into it. And that's why that twist lands so much harder when you watch the movie. Um, Honestly, in a weird way, another twist is just who the who the killer is, because uh, the killer is played by Kevin Spacey. And I feel like that was a twist, too. Like, I don't know, but I feel like the movie wasn't advertised to have kevin spacey in it and so he shows up and that's kind of like another sort of twist in a meta way which is pretty cool but uh yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah all right uh what is your final pick of the night yeah i think i know i think i know (laughs) it's actually not fight club if that's what you're thinking (laughs) no well you did comment uh the other week about how i use fight club as so many examples but fight club does fall under that like I already knew the twist going into it. And I actually went with a movie that I didn't know the twist for, but another movie that I've talked a lot about, but uh, I actually went with the movie old boy. And uh, this is a movie who is a man who is kind of abducted and uh, kind of kept in solitary confinement by uh, he doesn't even know who, and it's kind of this crazy action movie about him having to get out of this uh, makeshift prison that he was put in and kind of dig to the bottom of who abducted him, who kidnapped him, who imprisoned him, what is going on here. And um, along the way, he meets a young girl who he becomes romantically attached in and stuff. And when you watch through the movie, I'm going to spoil it. I haven't spoiled this movie in the past, but I'm I'll spoil it now. But essentially what you find out is the man who abducted him and had this weird revenge plot against the main character was a grade school classmate of his. And uh, the main character essentially saw the villain when they were kids. The villain had like a incestuous relationship with his sister And uh, the main character witnessed this and told the other classmates about it. So obviously that leads to a lot of embarrassment and ridicule, etc. But it was enough that his sister uh, ended up committing suicide at a young age. Did I mention that this movie gets really dark and creepy? (laughs) Because it definitely does. But essentially this villain... No, but I gotcha. (laughs) Essentially, you've seen Old Boy before, right? Yes, I have. Okay, okay, good. (laughs) So essentially this villain is taking on this like lifelong revenge plot because he blames his sister's death on the main character. And at the end of the movie, it's actually revealed that through hypnosis, which obviously that's kind of weird that it came up again on my list, but through hypnosis, um, the young girl that the main character ends up befriending and having a romantic relationship with, he reveals that, 
it's actually like that guy's, if I remember correctly, like his illegitimate daughter. And so the main character has to basically gravel at this man's feet and beg for for beg for, um, I guess, reprieve of that of the villain telling the girl what's actually the case because he cares so much about her. He doesn't want her to find it out. And so the man is acting like a dog towards this villain at the end of the movie. He does some crazy stuff. There's a part where he cuts his own tongue out to show his remorse for what he did. It is brutal. It is dark. Like I've said before, watch this movie, be freaked out, be disturbed by it, but then watch it with friends because then you get to watch their reaction as they watch through all these horrible things go through. Um, but old boy, why did you make us watch this? <laughs> but that's the thing. It's a really good. It's a really good action movie. It's very like it's one of those movies you can't guess what's coming. But it's one of those things that like it is. It kind of in the way like we were just talking about movies like Saw or Seven, which are both like also really brutal movies. But you watch and you're like. I'm glad I watched that, even though it was a tough sit. And I feel like old boy goes so many dark, dismal, like really tough to watch through sort of places. But once you do, you're just like, wow, that is like one of the greatest films I've ever seen at the same time that it's like super demented and disturbed and stuff like that. So, uh, Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, but we were spoiling things, so I definitely went into a little more detail. Yeah, yeah it's all good. I do not have you kind of covered it really, really well, so I don't have anything to add to it. But fair enough. Yeah, definitely <laughs> definitely watch it with your friends for that specific reason. Now that it's spoiled, watch it with your friends because when it comes to the end of the movie, it's just funny to watch your friends squirm just like, what the heck? Like the yeah. places that this thing goes. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so my final one, and I really don't have to say anything about it because we already talked about it, and that's The Empire Strikes Back. Nice. Um, it's only the final pick for me because of the iconography of the film. It probably, it, no matter how you word it, there's a lot of great movies out there with a lot of great twist endings, but I really do feel like this is probably the most famous um, twist ending of all time. It's probably one of the greatest twist endings of all time. Um, there's got to be a Hitchcock one in there, someone that someone's going to yell at me and go, no, it's this. But and I'll say, yeah, I'd, this I'd say outside of. Oh, let's keep going. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's probably just this one's probably the most famous. And, you know, I think outside of classic literature, outside of that sort of like. Dracula is really a vampire sort of thing or, you know, like outside of those classic stories, I feel like it is Empire Strikes Back is the next one you go to where it's like. This is one of the greatest film twists of all time, but it's also like one of the biggest spoilered things because it's part of our like pop cultural subconscious, you know, collectively across the world. Everybody already knows that Vader is Luke's father. Like you probably haven't even if, even if you haven't seen the movie, you probably already know about it. But that's just a testament to how good and impactful this twist ending was on our culture worldwide you know what i mean yeah yeah um yeah so i'm looking for like yeah it's just yeah that's all i can say that's all i can say is yeah awesome (laughs) yeah there there are no words but uh yeah you can't deny this one so yeah um all right well peter what are we want talking about next week 
Yeah, I actually did want to say as a last thing, I'm kind of glad we ended on Empire Strikes Back because I like as much as I love the twists in Old Boy, I kind of felt like, well, it kind of sucks to go out on so many dark, dismal things. But when you're dealing with twist endings, a lot of times they tend to be really dark. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, next week we're doing a list, which this is something I've wanted to talk about for a long time. Um, and Drew, you actually said something at one point that made me hold off on this one, but I think I still think this would one would be really fun to go through. And that would be our top five fan films that are out there. So the films that are not officially licensed, but the things that fans have put together um, and released. And I know, Drew, the thing you said once is that you weren't a big fan of fan films, but at the same time, I could probably name four of them off the top of the uh, off the top of my head that I know you like. So I hope you're cool with this topic. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally fine with that. I can definitely pull some fan film ideas out and, you know, put it put this list together. So I, I don't <laughs> know. If I'll, I don't know if I'll have honorable mentions. But, OK, fair uh, enough. Yeah. So like I said, I know I know four of them off the top of my head. Um at least a couple I've actually watched with you and I know that you like them. So um, that's kind of what made me say, no, let's do it. Let's do fan films. So I'm a big fan of like, especially in the age of YouTube, some of the crazy fan films people are putting out out there. So, uh, but yeah, this will be a fun list to talk about if nothing else. So there you go. Sure. All right, man. Well, in that case, um, Everybody, do us a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. You'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Interact with the show there. It's social media. Either way works. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google, Stitcher, um, Audible, and Amazon. You can uh, subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um you can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be spreading the truth that Goombas are really just the poop emojis of Mario World. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> that joke was inspired by my three-year-old son and his commentary on Mario. So <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Well, the uh, Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening, guys. Have a good night.